Hello and welcome to episode 299 of the Yellow Wallpots. I'm your host Stefan Botsko and today we talk about Dortmund's lucky review derby draw and Wednesday's DFB Pokal match against Borussia Mönchengladbach that Dortmund managed to defeat also quite fortunately one to nothing last week and uh, for all that and more joins me Matthias Zug. Hello Matthias. It's good to have you here to uh, talk about the weekend and the upcoming midweek game. I'm uh, excited to talk to you. I'm not sure if I'm excited to talk about the topic, but I have to say I'm in good spirits. Um, apart from the Revere Derby, the Packers won. The Sixers, for the first time since 2013, apparently went to an all in the uh, start of the season and Donald Trump got thoroughly booed at the baseball game, so that really filled my heart with joy. So, Matthias, how are you doing? How was your weekend, apart from those 90 minutes at the Feltins Arena? Well, you know, the nice thing is, uh, on Sunday, the Broncos lost with a last-second field goal, and uh, Tottenham lost to Liverpool. So, um, at least the Cowboys couldn't lose, because they had a bye week, um, but the Astros are now ahead in the World Series. So, things are, things are I'd say, about... 50-50 somewhere, somehow, uh, but it's a snow day here in Colorado, so uh, no work, no school, uh, just hanging out and spending some time with you, Stefan. Yes, that's very nice. I'm glad you were snowed in so that we could record a show. <laughs> but um, yeah, we've been reprimanded a little bit for always being the negative Nancys on the show, um, and I apologize for that. I try to be in, in more positive spirits. Um, I guess if we look at the positives after the Revere Derby, which was very drab, and it's not that easy to be, you know, upbeat about it, but uh, Dortmund <laughs> kept a clean sheet, and um, I would even even though Schalke hit the post or the crossbar, uh, Dortmund did not concede from a set piece, which is, I think, progress when we look at uh, recent Revier Derbies and uh, the uh, I think crossbar hit from Salif Sané was a little bit under opponent pressure. Yes, he outjumped Axel Witzel, but at least there was someone right next to him to outjump and not just, you know, being completely open and, and heading home. So that's an improvement. Also, Dortmund outlasted Schalke in terms of energy because uh, Dortmund were very economical about their game and then had 15 minutes left to win the game against the run of play but nevertheless Dortmund had these 15 minutes which actually improved and looked a little bit more like football apart from everything else that we've seen before and after the game Lucie Favre was self-critical and maligned the vertical runs and Michael Sorg in true Stefan Busco fashion said that automatisms are lacking right now and uh, another positive that I have is that chances are Dortmund are going to remain unbeaten against Schalke this season, which did not work out for them last season. But I hope and assume that in the home game next year in 2020, Dortmund will also not lose. So these are my lists of positives. There are maybe a couple more, but this is uh, yeah, the, the first things I, I could come up with where maybe we can cling on Matthias. Uh, so we, be, before we dive into the game and, and complain and complain endlessly <laughs> and then hopefully find the arc to be positive again, uh, what are your positives right at the right off the bat? 
Uh, Mavin Hits uh, probably had his best match as a Dortmund keeper, in my opinion. Um, he played very, very well. Overall, uh, Mats Hummels, again, uh, played uh, exceedingly well. In my opinion, probably with Hits, the two best Dortmund players on the day. Uh, Dortmund did not allow Schalke to go top of the table, even though it only would have been short-lived, because Gladbach, of course, won. Uh, Leipzig lost again, so that's good. Um, I still don't know how Freiburg is still where they are, uh, but that's testament to who their manager is. And uh, I will also say, positively, I noted some emotional outbursts from Lucien Favre on the uh, touchline, which I which I really liked. That was that was nice to see. And other than that, I mean, you named a lot of the positives. Um, oh, and another positive is no matter how bad Jaden Sancho plays, he can still create chances and be a very dangerous player. So there's that. Yes, far as I know, Jaden Sancho was really the only one that actually had chances for Dortmund as uh, low quality they were. But uh, he had a couple of shots from distance uh, right at the start, I would say. Um, he had one. Uh, obviously, when I when I closed my eyes and and tried to picture the Revere Derby, the most regretful moment maybe came. I I don't even know which minute, but very late. It was when uh, Julian Brandt had this little through ball through ball aimed at Marco Royce, who just missed again, just inches away from it. Um, that could have been you know, the old smash and grab for Dortmund and really put the game on its head. But nevertheless, um, I I also, you know, at at first I I was a bit disgruntled that after Delaney had to go off that uh, Lucien Favre brought on Akanji. But in hindsight, I have to say that uh, putting Akanji into the centre-back position and then moving Weigel up front next to Witzel, I think this also had a positive effect and um yes schalke got more tired and their pressing wasn't as good as it as it used to be in the 70 minutes beforehand but nevertheless um you still need a bit more um cohesiveness in the final third and and in the second third of the pitch and dortmund brought that it still wasn't up to the levels where we all would be satisfied with but at least it was better so um you know, there are a couple of things to, to look on the bright side here. Um, Dortmund obviously had the, uh, you know, more, more possession. The, the past success, Dortmund were also better, but, um, you know, 79% is nothing to be really proud of. But against a pressing team like Schalke, which we call them, can call them now, um, that was bound to happen. And maybe one of the major criticisms as we, uh, go forward. But, um, also like to see Lucas Piszczek back as a right back and not Akanji and uh, Rafael Guerrero as a left back. I wasn't sure if, um, I think Nico Schulz could have played right, but at least after Schulz's quite poor performance against Inter Milan, I was glad to have Guerrero back in there to have a little bit more playing skill. So I, I, I guess, um, in, in terms of lineup choices and, and starting Götz and whatnot, I was actually quite content. Obviously, it did not amount to um, the level uh, that Dortmund would actually dominate Schalke in, in the form and fashion they should be doing with the team they currently have. So that's disappointing, but um, it was still good. Um, 
Now, Matthias, I asked Lars's question on the year preview episode, and my question to him was whether it would be wise to play Marco Royce, knowing that he has a history in a Revere Derby where this game sort of goes to his head and he just then has utterly terrible games. And again, I thought in these 90 minutes, we saw a lot of miscontrols, a lot of bad first touches and just um, a lot of hesitance when it came to decision making. And I think Marco Royce was actually quite self-critical about that. Um, do you think that going forward, it would be wise to to leave him out if he's not in, you know, in a hot streak of absolutely blistering form? No, um, I think you leave him out if he's still recovering from the flu, because I don't care who you are. You don't get through and over and back to 100% fitness with the flu in four or five days. That's just not going to happen. Uh, so if he's not at 100% physical form, I think then you can't play him, or you should at least put him on the bench and maybe bring him on later if you need to. As far as blistering form... You know, Michael Royce is kind of that type of player that can always just turn it on in a magical moment, uh, kind of like we saw with Jaden Sancho at times, uh, or Guts at times, where it's just they just need those couple of moments, and all of a sudden, bam, you score a goal. Uh, so I don't think if he's physically fit, uh, you can't not start him, in my opinion. Um, uh, but uh, you could maybe put him on the bench, maybe bring him in for the last 30 minutes if he's just not in peak fitness which i just don't think he could have been um following he you know the previous weekend he had the flu he didn't play against inter because of uh, the flu so i just i can't imagine he was 100 there no he, he certainly was not um anyway i i think it's it's fair to shift the focus a little bit on on schalke and, and You said that before the show, and I think um, the Deutsche Welle had an article on that, an opinion piece, which basically said that Schalke right now are better than the sum of its parts, or however you want to call it. And I think David Wagner has done a magnificent job. Um, he said after the game that he was very happy with his team's performance and then said... You know, they just played as they had in recent weeks. And I think uh, for Schalke, this is um, a sign of consistency and, and a cohesive plan, let's say, um, that is working out. Obviously, um, there will be question marks, of course, because they have a quite thin squad, um, how, how long they can carry out this style of play, which is very intense over a season. But, um, you know, from, from the Dortmund times of, of wild pressing, we know you can carry this actually quite far. And, uh, you know, especially if, if you manage to score two or three goals, um, within the first hour or so, then you should be fine. Obviously, uh, scoring goals sometimes is a problem for Schalke, but I still think they are outperforming their expected goals. So, um, Matthias, do you think that Schalke are on a trajectory to become a Champions League club again or with, with the style of play? Or do you think um, this is too soon to say? And uh, knowing that Schalke are Schalke, there will be the inevitable sabotage that uh, lets them all down again. Because right now, I, I think for, for once, they've actually found a match on the sideline. 
Well, I I think I hold Wagner in in pretty high regards, um, but um, I think Champions League um, is is way way premature. Uh, they need to have a better quality squad first to really speak of that, because uh, I mean they broke down physically pretty dramatically uh, fifteen minutes before the end. I mean it was almost right on seventy five minutes. They were totally spent. There was just nothing left, and even when they brought no, I I, I yeah. usually only witness that when I watch Formula One. Yeah, and, and sometimes the the tire grip just completely falls off a off a cliff, and and we we saw that there with Schalke too. They they just completely were empty, just like literally empty. Uh, you know, I was actually quite amazed that Dortmund didn't manage to capitalize on that better. Yeah, and then you see who they bring in Kutuchu, who's you know young, but. I he's super super raw and honestly you could have made an argument for a red card with him or Salif Sane in my opinion um but be that as it may I just don't think the quality is quite there yet you know you mentioned when Dortmund was under club pressing and flying all over the place you can't forget the type of players he had in the squad and you look at Schalke there's no Lewandowski I mean Buchstaller is not Lewandowski um, Matondo might be Aubameyang given how many chances he misses um, but you know they don't have a home base they don't have a good one um, you know I don't I don't really rate their fullbacks very well so I think they're They're overperforming, and that's to me, that's all down to the manager because it's it's not a huge different squad to what Tedesco had. Uh, in my opinion, it shows that um, Tedesco was overrated as a manager, and Vakna maybe was underrated uh, given what he got out of a less than mediocre Huddersfield Town side, um, a really bad quality Huddersfield Town side. And he obviously has more talent at his disposal now at Schalke, but it's still nowhere near the quality of the squad uh, that over the course of the season, Dortmund, Bayern, Leipzig, in my opinion, also Gladbach, have at their disposal. Um, but they can definitely uh, uh, continue to have decent results. Obviously, there's always a chance for bad results, like saw against Hoffenheim, where they lost last weekend and didn't score. So this is two straight matches where they weren't able to score. And those are the kind of things where you may want to go, hmm, do we have issues here? Because Burgstaller, um, you know, he, he he's maybe the prototypical Austrian Grantler who complains <laughs> a lot, complains a lot and yells a lot. He's very, he's like a, he's a poor man's Mandzukic in, in that sense. Like you hate to play against him. Kind of wouldn't mind having him in your squad because he's just a pain in the ass and constantly in the ref's ear, but he really doesn't score a ton of goals. He's not a goal machine. Um, and, and that's where Schalke, in my opinion, I would have concerns is where are the goals coming from? Uh, defensively, they just broke down at the end because again, I just don't think they're that good. Stambouli is now also injured for a while. Uh, and like you said, yeah, you should be out for the, for the year, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So like you said, they have a very thin squad and what they do have coming behind them is pretty poor quality comparative to maybe what they were thinking they could get to um, uh, for some reason. I, I think if you look at the depth of quality of bench that uh, Bayern or Dortmund or Leipzig or Gladbach or a few other teams have, they have more quality depth than Schalke does at this point. But that being said, Schalke played, um, played well. They had a good match plan that they executed well and Dortmund played right into it. They played into... 
Schalke's strengths and did not exploit Schalke's weaknesses. And that's that. That's a concern for me because I still don't think Schalke are that good of a side. Um, you could see when Dortmund did turn it up, also before the 75th minute, they could get around and through Schalke's press pretty quickly. And a lot of times the the moves broke down because of really bad passing from Hakimi in particular, but Sancho as well, when they were coming from the wide, trying to come in, and it just broke down because of just horrendous passing. Not that they were put under pressure or Schalke's positioning was that great. It was just poor passing. It was just a little enough off that it didn't get to where it needed to be. That happened over and over and over again. Had they been sharper in that passing... I think we would have seen a different match because they could have gotten around Schalke's press uh, relatively easily. So here's the thing. I am quite torn about um, how how this game went because on the one hand, I think if I want to take the 20,000 foot view or feet view, whatever, um, <laughs> the, the macro view, um, I think... Dortmund at this point in their development should be very comfortably be able to deal with pressing sides because the Bundesliga over the last couple of years has been a pressing league and it's the the Bundesliga itself I think is evolving a little bit that uh, teams are starting to manage to create a little bit more on on the ball and without the uh turnover far up the field and whatnot but nevertheless i still think that um, dortmund should have the capacity and the positional play and also the players to play around that sort of pressing obviously there's no team in the world that's immune to a good counter pressing and, and, and pressing in general especially when it's very intense that is normal but i still think you know, over the accumulation of plays, Dortmund should have done better. And I also believe that um, at this point, under Lucien Favre, I think we should have been away from the Witzel-Delaney partnership in such a game. I understand why you want to have Delaney in this game, because it's obviously always going to be a very physical game, and, and you want that um, in midfield. But also, do you think that the capability to play around the pressing with maybe a Julian Weigel or maybe Julian Brandt or whatnot, in theory, should be available to Lucien Favre and be utilized in such a game? Now, the problem is, at hand currently, there is not that luxury. I don't think that if you put Julian Weigel next to Witzel, that Dortmund actually um, successfully play around Schalke's pressing whatsoever just because the positional play isn't sharp enough overall that uh, if you um, change just one player, it, it really enables the entire structure to function better. I just don't believe that is true right now. So I understand why Delaney played in this game. I'm just saying overall and in general... Um, we shouldn't see the Witzel Delaney partnership in in this game in particular. Maybe you want to see it against Bayern or so. Who knows? But um, yeah, it's it's just um, annoying that Dortmund have such a poor ball retention. But on the other hand, I agree with you. Um, it's not that everything Schalke did 
was so superb that Dortmund completely fell apart. I think there was a lot of self-inflicted harm. And uh, as Marco Royce said, this team is out of form individually and collectively. I thought that was a <laughs> very precise uh, and defeating way to um, s describe it. And, and as, as you said, um, there were so many unforced errors. And I think the most blatant one was from Jaden Sancho, where he just played it you know, literally into the middle in in Dortmund's build-up. And I think this is uh, when Seala then ended up hitting the post because, of course, Mats Hummels would clear the ball in Delaney's face and it would fall right um, in, into the path of Seala. But what I'm trying to say here is there's a, there's a balance of Dortmund being completely incompetent, not in their development where they are, and Dortmund being completely incompetent because just uh, current form is, is not there as it should be and there were just so many misplaced passes and and just very bad first touches and that was a complete trampoline game when it comes to first touches and it was just infuriating to see so um yeah you can only speculate what could have been had Dortmund strung a couple of passes better but then there's a, the the third aspect and this is what Favre mentioned and uh, Alexander Nübel mentioned um, it's just the lack of vertical runs and, and smart runs into the box. Whether you want to argue about Dortmund needing another striker or not, um, I think if you play with Götze and the way Götze played in, in, in recent months, uh, I think that's beside the point because we know this team is capable of doing it because they have done it before in pretty much the same shape. So that is, to me, very annoying. And I think Alexander Nübel said that uh, it's easy to defend against Dortmund because they're unwilling to enter the box. And Lucien Favre said, I think, in an interview in the end with uh, ZDF or VDR, but one of the uh, public channels in, in Germany, he said that Dortmund's vertical runs were lacking. And um, if if you don't make these runs, you end up playing lateral passes and then you get punished and pressed for it. And I think this is a big problem. But it's good to know that the coach knows and maybe we'll, we'll work on it. And my question to you, Matthias, is... Um, and I know you will only be able to speculate and not actually answer it, but um, how do you fix that and where do you think the source of the problem lies? Do you really think, as Marco Roy said, it's, it's down to courage that they just don't think... You know, the, the darting run into the box or wherever, um, will, will do any good. And then you just don't do it. Is it a lack of motivation or, or I don't, I don't even know where, where it comes from that Dortmund just don't make the runs they ought to make to really break up opponents, draw defenders out of position, etc. Well, I mean, there are a few things, and I know I kind of ranted about it uh, last week as far as makeup of a team and, and the DNA of a player and how they like to play, but I think that also comes into the equation here. Um, I listened to On the Continent last week, and James Horncastle was talking about Dortmund against Inter, and Dortmund actually had the perfect formation but the wrong players in in the attacking sense. And, and what he meant by that, and I completely agree with it, if you take Paco out of the team, the majority of your attacking players, with Marco Royce being the one exception, but again, he's not 100% fit after the flu, none of them have that striking, attacking drive. There's a, there's a trait in the game Football Manager that says, uh, uh, looks for the pass, 
uh, or avoids taking a shot and prefers to look for a pass. That encapsulates Sancho, Azard, Brandt, Götze. They're the type of players that are looking to play the killer pass when they need to play the killer shot at times. Um, how many times do you see Sancho running and then he cuts back and holds it up and looks for a pass? You need a little bit more directness at times, especially if you're looking at scoring goals. And that was just lacking. Uh, the only one who would occasionally do it was Royce because he's a little bit more of a direct player in that sense. But again, he was off his game. He's recovering from the flu, so I'll kind of put that uh, outside. Gutsa obviously was dealing with, with some issues himself. So it, it, that's, that's really what, it, what was missing. Um, and then on top of that, you compound it by putting Hakimi in there who was just had a bad day. I mean, he had a horrible day. He's had brilliant days, but this was definitely not it. And and that's how quickly those things can break down. Um, and and that courage, I don't know. I don't necessarily want to say, you know, they're chicken shits that don't want to run into the box. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll leave that to Michael Royce. He knows his teammates better than I do. But it, And maybe he was talking about himself. But over, I think it was talking about the team. Yeah, but but overall, I just think the makeup of the players you're asking to score the goals aren't really the type of players that are going to score the goals as their first instinct. Paco Alcácer, his first instinct is to try to score a goal. Obama Young came over as a winger, but his first instinct was to be a striker and score goals. Lewandowski, his first instinct is to score a goal, not to pass. Even if we go to the Schalke side, you look at Matondo. His first instinct was to try to score a goal. Now, he sucks at it, apparently, but he tried. And <laughs> Not against Leipzig. No, He's just very exactly. Young. But against, against Dortmund. And, and again, if we look at how Schalke played, and we can transition <clears throat> to defense because of how they transitioned out of defense, was usually a long ball into space using Matondo's speed to exploit the uh, slight lack of speed that we had at our center back pairing. <laughs> um, and that's really, those are some of the issues when you compound that all together, put it all together. Also that our attacking players drop deeper to try to get the ball because we were also positioned deeper. There was no real midfield press to try to win the ball back at the midfield line. So you could transition quicker and have those attacking players in better positions to try to score. Because when we did do that, in those final 75 minutes, there was dangerous attack after dangerous attack. So you need to do that sooner is where you're doing your press. If you're sitting really deep like we were again far too many times, just backing off, backing off against a team that, in my opinion, lacks any true playmaker. Harit is not a playmaker. Um, but why are you doing that? Who are you afraid of in Schalke's side? Be cognizant of the pre of the the long ball over the top. That's why you're not going to press all the way up top of the pitch, but engage them at the midfield line, and then your transitions will be quicker to your attacking players that they're in a position to be dangerous and exploiting the weaknesses of Schalke also in terms of pace. But that just wasn't there. And then on top of that, you then sometimes were out of position. Schalke whacked the long ball over the top, and Matondo just outran the players, and that. Because also Delaney and Witzel aren't exactly speed demons. Um, and our fastest players... I mean, Pischek isn't as fast as he used to be. You know, not at all. Guerrero, he's also not super fast. but He's okay, but his positioning lets him down at a fullback. The guys that have the speed would be like Hakimi, but he wasn't an attacking third. So you compound all that together and you get what we saw. So it just... 
it it was wrong on so many different levels in individual slices and together it made Schalke look so much better than they were but still credit to them for for playing well or playing decently and compounded the situation for for Dortmund again playing into their weaknesses and and Schalke's strengths yeah you know what I love about this podcast and in the last uh, weeks or so is that uh, it often happens that uh, someone revises their opinion within one monologue. <laughs> and I truly enjoyed that you asked whether Dortmund have a lack of courage and then like two minutes later ask, what are you afraid of? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, asking who are you afraid of? Not, not you know, yeah, are you yeah, afraid who, of... Yeah, I mean, are you, you're not playing against Cristiano Ronaldo or Leo Messi. Yeah. There was more courage with Messi on the pitch, to be honest, or playing against Barcelona. It's like, I, I don't get it. Schalke isn't Barcelona. I mean, nowhere near Barcelona. And and so who were you afraid of that was going to play the killer pass to unlock your team? In that sense, with Schalke, there's nobody. There's nobody there that you go, oh, crap. They don't have Emil Forsberg, who's able to play that kind of pass. Um, they don't have... It just... I, I didn't get that. That's... And I even tweeted about it during the match. I said, I miss pressing. Because it just... When when we did press in those last 15 minutes, I hate using the total we because you and I didn't play on the pitch, but you know what I mean. When Dortmund did press in the last 15 minutes, obviously Schalke was a bit tired at that point as well. But you could see that it could work. So where where was that? And when it did happen situationally, it looked good, and then a bad pass happened, and it all broke down a long ball, and it just, yeah, anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, there, there were phases of the game where Schalke could not get beyond the halfway line in, in any meaningful way where Dortmund just would counter-press, force a long ball and then gather it right up and then start the next wave of attack. So um, you definitely have a point. And I do wonder if this derby helps Dortmund to rethink their approach a little bit. Um, just because Lucien Favre said that he's missing the vertical runs in the box. Um, Dortmund have... In, in recent games often lack these runs and the entire distribution and positioning in the penalty area just completely sucked. <laughs> I don't have a better word for it. Um, so maybe, maybe Dortmund decides that they will become quote unquote less patient and a little bit more direct and a little bit more urgency. And maybe these demands have to come from the players and, and from the other figures in the front office because Lucien Favre himself as a coach is a bit more reluctant. Uh, but maybe overall there, there is a bit of a rethink now because obviously we have seen now weeks and months of the same problems and uh, they're apparently not going to just fix themselves and uh, apparently... Um, it's just getting worse in terms of uh, confidence and, and self-belief. And that is obviously not the place you want to be. And uh, I hope and the evidence will be brought in front of us in the next weeks and months where Dortmund play a lot of big games. But I, I really do hope that uh, Dortmund shed a little bit of that. We'll just keep the ball and... and, and uh, deliberately probe for the opening and whatnot, I think the willingness to commit an error up front should uh, be there more, that you're not too afraid or too whatever um, to to uh, yeah just play the ball and even if it doesn't come off, then you maybe just use your counter-pressing. Um, I, I would like 
for Dortmund to be a little less risk adverse. Um, I mean, this is exactly what we've been saying that the recent weeks, but I really do hope that this derby has changed something and then that these two drop points, uh, turn into more value as, as, uh, we continue because we, we're still clearly seeing a Dortmund coach that is trying to tinker with the team a lot, that's trying out a lot of things and, uh, yeah. So, so maybe he will eventually find something better that actually works because right now I think he is throwing a lot against the wall and, and sees what sticks. And right now there's not a lot sticking. So <laughs> who knows? Um, Ma Matthias, I, I thought though, um, you know, in, in, in retrospect, it was really, really good for Dortmund to not lose this derby because, um, otherwise, I, I I think the it, it would have propped up Schalke just way too much and and probably deflated Dortmund way 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 too much. I don't I'm not a big fan of let's lose so we can get better mentality. I I think a draw like this and and non-performance, if you will, where you just you know get get hammered without getting hammered, um, could could do the same trick because um, that would have just also sucked from a fan perspective. Oh, I agree 100%. I mean, um, I think we'd mentioned that the result was okay. The the performance to go along with the result, I'd say 70%, 80% of it was not as okay. I, we, I'd be a, a point away at Schalke, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Just like I didn't have an issue with losing to Inter, I didn't like necessarily how it happened, granted, That's that's a whole different match, and it's been talked about. We, you know, that's not that's not topic, but that's the kind of stuff where it's like sometimes the results okay and the performance isn't. Uh, which thankfully that was this occasion, but we've also had it, of course, this season where the performance was pretty good for 75 minutes, uh, but then the result kind of stung in the end. So uh, I guess you you win some, you lose some, and hopefully in this case, or as good thing as this case, there was. We didn't lose, so um, whereas uh, some other teams obviously didn't move ahead of Borussia Dortmund in the table, um, but uh, the the one thing I know we had talked about before recording was we're, we're seeing a lot of uh, Hummels Weigel again as a center back pairing. Uh, I personally had thought that with Hummels coming. Uh, in that we probably wouldn't see Weigel as a central defender anymore. What is? What do you think the reasoning is? Is it just because Akanji seems to be a little bit dip in form right now, or what? Because obviously the pace, the lack of pace in that pairing uh, can be an issue. Yeah, I think it it has a lot to do with with Akanji's terrible terrible form and the many mistakes he has committed in, in recent weeks that Favre just didn't want to see it and and uh, I also believe it's it's a good decision but I will also say that I don't believe that a centre-back pairing of Weigel and Hummels um, should be a permanent solution just because of the lack of pace and because Dortmund played with a high line and there was someone on, on Twitter who made a thread over Dortmund's last four or, or five games Where he pinpointed to Dortmund's issues when when it comes to be on on one line and uh, overall just just reading the game and also a couple of mistakes that Hummels made when he just leaves his line of defense to go forward and uh, without 
you know any success and then the entire backline is exposed or you know when when uh, Dortmund try to play offside but actually should read the situation differently and, and and fall back and then of course um the errors in positioning when when they play the offside trap that some players just drag behind a, a meter or two here we saw it with Nico Schulz um against uh, Inter Milan fatally uh, <laughs> and then I think Mats Hummels was was guilty of that against Schalke um, I think when he kept Zerda on or, or, or whatever. Um, so um, overall, I do think that Dortmund have a lot of issues when it comes down to fine-tuning and, and defensive behavior in the back line. It's, it's not as bad as it used to be. And uh, I think a part of that is also just the lack of pressure on uh, the opponents who are on the ball. Um, so that's, that's always... Uh, a bad combination to have but in the long term I really hope that Dortmund can make the Hummels and Akanji partnership work and I really hope that Akanji uh, figures out a way to to get back his form and to build some chemistry with Mats Hummels and the the rest of the backline I think the ever-changing back four that Dortmund have or apply is not really helpful in that regard that To, to build any automatism and I think that's actually a, a much bigger issue that you have you know constant changes there so and and I also ask myself when exactly comes the game where Favre says okay it's time for for Hummels to have some rest because I don't believe he can play every every match of the season um and you have to think ahead to to next season because when Hummels is injured just because he's overplayed that's going to be a big issue that you want to avoid so um you have to work on on a contingency plan there as well but um yeah just having um Weigel there in so far also helps is that i think Weigel right now is a little better with the ball on his feet than than uh, Manuel Akanji and when Hummels is is targeted by opponents and and trying to you know suppress his passing skills um, you have a wonderful passing outlet in Julian Weigel still, which which can do a lot of things, especially when you're double pivot, you know, is named Axel Witzel and Thomas Delaney. Then you will need some playmaker element that's central and and where else would you get it from? So um yeah, I I hope that it's not permanent, but I also think that Julian Weigel is, is not terrible and he is a valuable alternative. Um, the only question I have is when do we get to see the legs of uh, Balerdi, Zagadou and, and Moray? You know, overall, I, I, I think they're capable players and I, I would like to see them uh, rotating a little bit here and there. And, and maybe um, that is the key word to go forward to the next game, the cup match against Gladbach, because um, at the cup Uh, the, the Bundesliga match, I think Dortmund rotated quite a bit, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mahmoud Dawood started. So, um, looking at the lineup that Dortmund played against Schalke, who do you think will play again and who do you think, uh, you know, Favre brings into the team to, to have a quote unquote fresh squad because after that game you play against Wolfsburg? Um, yeah, in Wolfsburg, obviously, I think they have the best defensive record in the Bundesliga, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so you're going to have to be on your game as far as trying to break them down. Uh, Attacking-wise, they're, eh, okay. Um, but 
the I mean, what's he going to set up? I don't think Gutsa will start. Uh, I know Paco is back in training, so yes. maybe but he's not going to play. He's not, he's not gonna play. You don't think he's going to sit on the bench? No, no. Okay, uh, but then I don't believe Gutsa will play. So that leaves you with uh, attacking options of Brand, Azad. Sancho, Royce, which I think those are going to be the four players uh, in the attack. I don't, I, God, please don't put Hakimi there again. Uh, I just don't think that's going to happen. I Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if Brun Larsen starts against Gladbach. Um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me, at least. But I think Brandt as the 10 and Royce as the false nine, if you want to call it, ahead of him, that actually works. Um, and, and I'm a big fan of Brandt. Uh, maybe not Michael Rummenigge, uh, <laughs> but, but I'm a fan. I think Rummenigge, who will always have a special place in my heart, given when I was coming up as a Dortmund fan, he, he played for Dortmund, but I think he's completely off base with his comments uh, about Julian what, Brandt. What did he say? I didn't actually uh, say It's it, something so. about C-Jugend, and just, it was just pointless. It was just an, a, a former player blying on. Um, and, and I tend to ignore that overall uh, from most players who played in the 80s and early 90s for many, many, many reasons. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's somehow your starting team. Um, I would hope Delaney isn't playing just because he again got a facial head injury. Uh, do you know? I, I tweeted about it that uh, he must be taking over the Sven Bendel role as the player with the head and face injuries. Um, so I, Vitzel's going to start. That's going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if Tahut pairs up with him. I could see that happening. And then in the back four, uh, you know. Yeah, I'd love to see Balerdi start and Moray start. It's just not going to happen. Uh, simply because, you know, Royce talked about lack of courage in the players. To me, it's a lack of courage in the coach. This is Lucien Favre. He is conservative. He is risk-averse to the nth degree. That's why we're not going to see in a direct attacking play. It's just not who he is. That's how Dortmund started last season. got all those points, and then he reined it all in. Because uh, I think he was scared that they couldn't continue that way for the rest of the season. And at the end, they may as well have continued that way. I think maybe we would have been the defending German title holders. Um, so, honestly, I expect to see pretty much the same team with a couple of little adjustments. I don't expect massive rotation because that's not what Favre does. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I I. I do believe that Favre can do some rotation, to be honest. And uh, I mean, it's a difficult game, but you you got to do it. You you got to change up a couple of players. Um, I don't know if if you if you give Jaden Sancho the trust to to break out of his funk, or um, I don't know. I I definitely want to see Torgen Hazard back uh, in the lineup, and I I'm pretty sure we would see him there because he played so well against Gladbach the last time. And that you would just uh, assume that he's just very suited for that. Um, I'm I'm intrigued to find out um, how the tactical battle will go because, of course, uh, both coaches sort of showed their hands the last time. Um, so, yeah, just uh, going to sit back and and uh, be surprised if Dortmund make a change or not. And um, yeah, I I thought that Dortmund's performance. Um, against Gladbach wasn't terrible <laughs> so uh you know 
obviously they they conceded a lot of chances but um they would have also scored three if it weren't for two very narrow decisions let's, let's uh, call it that way if not questionable um so i'm looking forward to another entertaining game i believe it's a it's a, another flatline game so um yeah why not and i mean dortmund historically have fared well against gladbach who right now again sit atop of the table and are three points ahead of uh, bvb so we'll see i don't know if roman Bürki will be fit again or if marvin hits has to play another game um we'll, we'll see about that but um It's certainly a game I look forward to and I'm not overly concerned. Just now I, I hope that the Review Derby has done something with this team and uh, maybe for the better. So I'm just going to say, let's see. <laughs> But I do believe, uh, I don't know if, if Mario Götze's hands is actually injured or not or if, if he can play maybe with a, with a cast or so. Um Because I, I, I think it's his wrist that got hurt in that foul, which of course, uh, Felix Brüch didn't call against Schalke. Um, so I, I would assume that he still plays if, uh, he doesn't opt for Brun Larsen. And, uh, I'm also kind of glad that we completely ignored the entire, uh, Götze story that just was a complete non-story and, uh, Bill just doing their regular bullshit that, uh, no one cares about. So, uh, thank you for that, Matthias. Um, otherwise, I don't know if I need to see Lukas Bischek again. I feel like uh, he doesn't have two games in him straight away over 90 minutes. So uh, maybe we'll see Hakimi as a right back again. But who knows? Um, it's it's going to be a very interesting game nevertheless. So um, that's, that's all I'm going to say because, I mean, we just had this game and uh, there's not too much to speculate. So um, do you just want to give a prediction or do you have any anything else to add no um i think uh you said everything that needed to be said also in terms of build you know i.e Mourinho, that crazy rumor bullcrap that came out that way um so i think it will be an entertaining match i'm gonna go for uh 2-2 and then a penalty shootout that can go any way but since roman Bürki apparently can save penalties Uh, which when Inter got their penalty, I turned to my nephew and went, oh, well, he's not saving that. Well, of course I was wrong. Thank God. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with uh, Dortmund winning it in penalties. Well, see, I'm a little bit different here. I believe that it's going to be 1-1 or 2-2 after regular time, but I believe that similar to Schalke, Gladbach eventually will, uh, yeah, just be completely tired um, because they a had to play in the Europa League which is more straining and uh, that means they had to play on a Sunday so they have one uh, day less to recover and I think in, in such a cup game when you play 120 minutes that uh, will make a lot of difference and uh, in the later stages of the game where neither team is as compact as they are in the opening minutes I think this is the hour of Julian Brandt where he will do his magic and then uh, Dortmund will slowly but surely dissect Gladbach and uh, play better than uh, their counterparts and come away with a win in overtime. That's my prediction. So I'm going to say 2-1 to Dortmund after 120 minutes. So Perfect. I guess, I, I guess we can leave it here and wrap it up and uh, I hope we have, you know, 
been a little bit more positive, especially after that uh, Revere Derby. I don't think there needed to be another episode to just pile on. Um, and I, for, for whatever reason, my gut feeling just tells me things are going to get better um, despite everything that I see and observe. It's just a gut feeling, but uh, may maybe it's it's onto something. Who knows, Matthias? Um, so anyway, uh, please tell our dear listeners how to get in touch with you on Twitter. Yes, you can find me at Matthias Suk on Twitter, and uh, I, I agree with you. You know, I, I tend to try to be the uh, the podcast optimist. And so I'm also optimistic that things are going to turn around. Um, I'd, I'd rather have a, a poor start and a strong finish rather than a strong start and a poor finish because we know how that ended last season. Exactly, exactly. So it's all going according to the plan. Um, no, but more honestly, if you want to read what Mark Sch Marco Royce actually said after the game and what uh, Michael Sorg said about not having a coaching discussion but uh, still leveling some blame at Favre, You can do that on theyellowwall.net, where you will be inclined to pay $1, which will go to my healthcare fund. And uh, then you can uh, read all our written content there, uh, which I would incline you to do, please. And uh, otherwise, you can follow me on Twitter at Stefan Botsko. You can follow The Yellow Wallpot on Twitter at Yellow Wallpot. Same goes with Facebook. And if you want to subscribe to our show, Please find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube by now. And uh, I think you can also find us on, on Amazon and Google Music and, and whatnot. So uh, lots of options. You can find our RSS feed. If you want to plug it manually into your podcatcher, you can find it also on theyellowwall.net. So um, that is everything from us for... I wouldn't say this week we we still have to preview the Wolfsburg game so for for uh, the first part of the week. As always, everyone out there, stay safe and thank you for listening. Goodbye.